Hello everyone and welcome to Behind the Ball, a show dedicated to talking all about the beautiful game of football. In today's podcast, we're talking all about the big game on Thursday between title rivals Manchester City and Liverpool. With so much at stake, I'll discuss the fallout of the game, who the key players were and my thoughts on the approach of Guardiola and Klopp. Plus what next for these two title rivals? Which of these two teams are now favourites? Or can Spurs upset the odds and win the Premier League? If you don't agree with anything I say, which is probably pretty likely, you can get involved in the conversation on the Behind the Ball Twitter account. You can find it under at behind underscore the underscore ball. I'll also post a link to our Twitter handle in the description when every podcast goes live. So without further ado, roll those titles. Welcome to Behind the Ball, the podcast discussing the beautiful game. Hello, everyone. Well, first off, I told you in a previous podcast that this was going to be like Christmas for football fans, and it really, really didn't disappoint. But actually, not for the reasons any of us thought. It wasn't a match of total football brilliant attacking play. It was a game of grit, determination, hunger, desire. Now going into the game, Liverpool was seven points clear. A victory would see them 10 points clear at the top and honestly that would be looking like an unassailable lead. Manchester City, in all honesty, would probably look to the cup competitions as the main priority, Champions League being number one. A victory for City, however, would close it down to four points. Now, of the last three games between these two sides, Liverpool had won two and drawn one. So my bet was on Liverpool to extend this sequence with either a draw or a victory. You know, add to this the fact that Manchester City have been out of form. Over the Christmas period, they've lost big points in the title race to Liverpool by losing at home against Crystal Palace and away to Leicester City. Liverpool, on the other hand were coming into the game having just beaten Arsenal 5-1. They were on a nine-game winning streak and they'd gone 21 league games unbeaten. And this was a patched-up Manchester City team as well. You know, no Mendy, no Delph meant having to break up the best central defensive partnership they have in Stones and Laporte. Laporte moving to left-back and with the experienced company coming into the centre of defence. They also still don't have a fully fit De Bruyne. So this was a real test for Manchester City. Now don't get me wrong, they still have unbelievably good players. It's not as if Guardiola's dealing with, you know, players from Macclesfield Town, for example. He still has a plethora of options to choose from. Both Silvers were starting, Aguero up front, Sterling and Sane on the wings. But this was a big game, a massive game, a win or bust game for Manchester City. And you know, when players are desperate for a result, free-flowing football just tends to get lost and it just doesn't happen. Guardiola also has a really poor record against Klopp. His teams have lost eight times to those managed by the German. That's three more than against any other manager. Mourinho the closest on five. Also, if you haven't seen it, check it out. But on the Amazon documentary All or Nothing Manchester City, there is a moment where Guardiola talks of Liverpool's front three. He actually said he was scared of them 
And that's quite an admission to air publicly. Now Guardiola has always been the manager who plays a certain style of football. It's tick-attacker style, it's high intensity, they win the ball back in high areas, the fullbacks are flying forward and pinning back opposing wingers. They also have the magical feat of Silva and De Bruyne to unlock defences. And it's simply stunning to watch. But as I mentioned earlier, this was not that kind of game. For the first time ever, I think, for Guardiola in England, it was a more pragmatic approach. You know, they're feeling the pressure of Liverpool, the magnitude of the game. This may have meant he was more cautious. He also knew he had players out of position. Laporte, the prime example. But as he didn't actually go forward that much, he was actually able to stifle the threat of Mo Salah. So it may have been a blessing in disguise. Or maybe we don't give him enough credit and he knew that anyway. From the beginning of the game, Liverpool were on the back foot. Manchester City were really going after them. Tackle was flying in. Yet it was Liverpool who had the first big chance. A brilliant link-up play in the middle of the park released Mane one-on-one with Edison. His effort rebounded off the post and after Stones tries to clear the ball, and when I say clear the ball, I mean he tries to clear out everything, including all the players around him too. He manages to hit Edison. The ball spins back towards the goal. And at this point, it looks like it's going to be a real calamitous own goal. You know, one of those ones that end up on funny football videos. But John Stones gets back, clears the ball off the line. Goal line technology concluded that the whole ball hadn't crossed the line. Only 1.12 centimetres hadn't. That information was released by the Premier League. And it was quite incredible, really. And actually, what turned out to be a huge turning point in the game. Thank goodness for goal line technology, though, because players, fans and pundits would have been debating that for a long time. To the naked eye, it looked like the whole ball was over. I think most people would have said it was a goal. So I think it's a good thing that goal line technology is definitely in now. But it wasn't over there. More drama was to come. Tackles flying in, as I already mentioned, and Vincent Company was lucky to escape with just a yellow card. And on another day, could have been red. But I guess if you believe in that sort of thing, a higher power was definitely looking out for City on Thursday. You know, as it was, it was a game full of intensity and high drama. But City were the team to draw first blood. A mistake from Lovren, Aguero, who quite ridiculously now, if you don't know this, it's, a, I think, quite a crazy statistic. He has now scored in each of his seven home appearances against Liverpool. I mean, what a player, what a player. Probably one of, if not the best strikers to ever play in the Premier League. And City were leading at the break, but they weren't really looking in control. You know, it was a great game, you know, smiles on every neutral's face watching this one, without without question, mine included. But City never really looked like they had this one sewn up. And as it was, you know, Liverpool got back into the game in the second half and drew level. You know, after some brilliant play again, you know, Alexander-Arnold crossing for Robertson and he cushioned a lovely little ball that dipped, he sort of like dinked it over John Stones' head and onto the head of Firmino uh, for his fourth goal in two games. And from here, I really thought, okay, Klopp, go for it now. This is your opportunity because you're in the ascendancy. City are fragile on confidence from previous results and they know how big a game this is. 
but he didn't. He didn't go for it. And what do you know, within seven minutes, City are back in the lead through Leroy Sane. Interestingly, he is another City player with a great record against Liverpool. Uh, four of his 22 Premier League goals have come against them. That's more than against any other side. And, of course, the inevitable happens now. Liverpool go for it. They throw on Shakiri, They throw on Sturridge. And it was really backs to the wall stuff for Manchester City, throwing themselves in front of everything. And I'm talking like clearances, blocks, you know, the lot. Company was an absolute man-mountain at the back until he had to come off through injury at the very uh, back end of the game. And City, they get the job done. They go on to win the game 2-1. And now the title race is back on. It's really on. You know, it could have been 10, could have been 7. It's now 4. How that will affect Liverpool will be interesting. The dynamics may change. They haven't lost a game this season. So how they react and move forward will be key to this title race. And Liverpool will probably kick themselves for a missed opportunity. You know, But games like this that are won and lost on such small margins, the differences between both teams are so small. And let's be honest, you can't get much smaller than 1.12 centimetres. It all could have been so, so different. But it begs the question, who were the key players for Manchester City? And honestly, I don't think you need to look much further than Fernandinho. Pundit Jermaine Jenis actually described his performance as the most complete defensive midfield display you'll ever see. And I mentioned on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, actually, that he was the one player that Manchester City really could not afford to lose. And I think this is proven by the fact he was missing against Crystal Palace and against Leicester City, games which City both lost. And what he does so well is he plays with intensity, he wins the ball back in high areas up the pitch, and not only that, when he does, he releases a great pass to a forward player nine times out of ten. You know, he alleviates pressure. That is how Manchester City defend. They defend with possession. And when they do get caught on the ball, which is inevitable when you have such attacking forwards, Fernandinho is always there to win the ball back. And his set of skills are so important against the likes of Liverpool, who, let's be honest, are probably one of the best teams in world football at transition through the thirds of the pitch. How quickly they get the ball up to Mane and Salah, they use the pace. Having Fernandinho there to protect the defenders from an onslaught of pace is vital, is key. Now, Fernandinho had 10 duels. He won seven of them. He made four key tackles, made three clearances. And most importantly, that's the, this is the most important statistic, he regained possession nine times. And that's more than any other player on the football pitch. Now, if City are going to win this title, then he has to stay fit. Or like I mentioned in a previous podcast, they're going to have to find a long-term replacement for him during this transfer window. Because if he does get injured, that could be the difference between winning and losing the title. Another key player in this game for City was Bernardo Silva. And he's having an excellent season uh, with five goals and six assists so far. And let's not forget either, there has been added pressure on his shoulders too because he has been the team's replacement for Kevin De Bruyne. And yesterday he did things during this game... I'd actually never seen him do before, or in all honesty, thought he was actually capable of. You know, he was making tackles, breaking up play, running himself into the ground. 
you know, he and Fernandinho, they set the tone for Manchester City. They had energy and they were so committed. They brought everyone else with them. Now, it's hard to imagine, actually, that this really is a template for success long term for Guardiola. You know, his teams aren't going to play like this week in, week out. There's just no way. This is not the type of football game he really wants to see. He's a purist. But for one occasion, I think it's okay, personally, to abandon some form of principle. You know, he knows there is a league title at stake. He knows how good Liverpool are. He knows that they could go on and be unbeaten till the end of the season. He knows he may well need more than 100 points, the winning total of last season, a record-breaking total of last season, to go on and retain the title. He often talks about the league being the most important competition to win because it spans such a long period of time. It shows the true quality of your squad. And he's right, it's true. It's the one competition that you can look at a team and say they have gone home and away to the best teams in the country. They have gone through injuries, they've gone through the busy Christmas period and they've still won. It is a true showing of quality within your team. And if you win the title, there's no doubt about it. It shows the very best of what you have in the building. For Liverpool, it was a case of really what might have been. The key is that Salah really didn't have his best game. And in games like this, with the margins so small, Salah, you know, he has to be at his best. You could argue that Laporte sitting deep and Guardiola not playing with his usual tactics almost suffocated him on that side of the field. He wasn't able to make those runs. Laporte defended him so well. But if you're one of the best players in the world, you really have to do better. There's also an argument for the three midfield players that began for Liverpool, Wijnaldum, James Milner and Jordan Henderson. Incidentally, they're the three that started against City at Anfield earlier on in the season. He obviously trusts them, does Klopp. But there's an argument that there was little to no creativity in the middle of the park. Dejan Lovren as well. And now his statement in the summer of him being one of the best defenders in the world, in all honesty, is wide of the mark, to say the least. You know, he was at fault for the first goal, being side-on to Aguero and allowing him to turn in the box. A player of that quality, knowing the record he has against Liverpool too, you just don't give him an inch, let alone a yard or two, because you know he's going to punish you. And as it turns out, that's what he did. And it wasn't just that either. There was numerous times where he gave the ball away, from easy positions when passing it out from the defence and he was over committing to challenges and players were knocking it past him creating more defensive fragility for Liverpool you know Van Dijk is an absolute superstar of a player but he can't do it on his own he can't now I think many Liverpool fans will be looking to the return of Joe Gomez and hoping that is quicker than expected because yesterday they really missed him because Lovren, in the big games, he just he has a mistake in him. And in all honesty, he's a little bit of a liability. So I've spoken already about the three in midfield. And Klopp went for his 4-3-3 of last season. The, the go-to formation, the, the formation Liverpool were best known for. This year, he's changed it a little bit. Um, he's introduced the likes of Fabinho and Shaqiri. And they really missed 
that dynamism and clever link-up play of both those players. You know, and when they got back to 1-1, I felt that was the time to really, to introduce Shakiri and have him in that little pocket of space and try and displace the position of Laporte. But it was only once they'd gone 2-1 down that they did that. And after that, it was too late. And City were so determined to not lose the game. So determined. You know, it would, I, I think it will definitely be a lesson learned for the future. And I think Klopp was thinking more about getting the draw and getting out of there rather than getting the victory, which I think was there for the taking at 1-1. I also think it's important still to note that Liverpool, you know, they still sit four points clear at the top of the table, which they would have absolutely 100% taken at the start of the season. I actually saw a statistic yesterday that there was a 24-point swing between Liverpool and Manchester City from last season to this season. So Liverpool are doing superbly well. So four points clear at the turn of the year is very, very good. And they have been the best team this season, the most complete. But I do think the pressure of playing for Liverpool, they haven't won the Division 1 title since 1990. They've never won a Premier League title. Of course, the Premier League began in 1992. They've come close in previous seasons. We've spoken already on a previous podcast about teams leading at Christmas that haven't gone on to win the title. That's only happened twice in 10 years. Those two teams were Liverpool. So there's a lot of pressure there from fans. I think a lot of even neutrals would like to see Liverpool win it. So there is a lot of pressure there. They also only have James Milner, who's won a Premier League title. He will be key towards the back end of the season when they know victories are an absolute must because there's no doubt City aren't going to let off the pressure. And City have that experience. They've won titles now. They have numerous players who have won a number of titles. And of course, they had the experience of last season. Now, looking forward to the rest of the season, of the two teams, Liverpool actually only have three of the top six left to play. Two of those are at home. They have Tottenham and Chelsea to come to Anfield, and they play Manchester United away. As for City, they have Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea all at home at the Etihad, and they have the derby against Manchester United at Old Trafford. And the common theme here is that they both play resurgent Manchester United. Um, By the way, the only team to pick up 12 points out of 12 over the festive period. And they could have a huge say in where the title goes. You know, as Gary Neville actually once funnily quite put it, he said, it's like choosing who you'd rather run off with your wife. Um, So we'll see. But Jurgen Klopp actually confirmed earlier today that he does not see anyone coming in during the window. So will City have been linked with a big money move for Ben Chilwell at Leicester um, to solve their long-term injury problems at left-back? Benjamin Mendy always seems to be uh, in the treatment room. Um, And as I said before, they really need to be looking for a player to replace Fernandinho. Not only in the years to come, but when he picks up uh, suspensions or potential injuries. You know, I've said it before, he could be the difference between winning and losing this title. And I've said this many times and you're probably bored of it, but I'm still sticking with City as my favourites to win the title. You know, they have De Bruyne to come back into the team, who, if he can reach, you know, anything like the levels of last season, he will be a huge player for them. Plus, actually, you know what, I saw a different side 
to City against Liverpool that proves they're up for the fight. You know, the best teams find different ways to win. And this was a big test for City, a huge test for their players, for the manager, but they passed. So six points separates the top three. And Tottenham could still have a say in it. And I know there's a lot of fans, pundits, many of you listening to this will say Tottenham aren't in the title race, Andrew, they aren't. They're six points away from Liverpool. If City can win it being four points behind, Tottenham can win it. You know, they have to go away to Liverpool, City and Chelsea. They also have a North London derby at the new White Hart Lane, probably if they move into the stadium. It's due to be ready in February. And next weekend, they also have Manchester United. Tottenham have plenty opportunities to still win this title. One, because they are playing Liverpool and City away. If they beat both of those, they're well and truly back in the race. And they have unbelievably good players and a fantastic manager. You know, Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, you know, a returning son from the Asia Cup, a tournament which South Korea are pretty likely to win. You know, he's going to come back with huge confidence. They could easily go and pick up three points at both the Etihad and Anfield. So for me, I really, really, really wouldn't discount Tottenham. Ugh, and it is so exciting. Um, Premier League action gets underway again on January 12th. Who is your bet for the title? Do you completely disagree with me? Probably do. If you ever want to come onto the podcast, by the way, guys, or get involved in the conversation, you can follow the official Twitter account, which can be found under at behind underscore the underscore ball. Remember, it's not easy for me to say, but easy for you guys to type. Thanks again for listening and you'll be hearing me next time on Behind the Ball.